0: The Professionals of Professionalism proudly present Lewis Howard Live.
1: your crisp communicator with principal insights for pop
0: culture with a tech edge.
2: And now a man who needs no introduction, Lewis. Hey, welcome to another edition of Lewis Howard live. I'm Lewis Howard. And if you join us for the first time, welcome being part of a conversation that's going coast to coast around the world and hitting you the most to be the best version of yourself. And we appreciate every listener, every download, every share that uh, is going on. So again, we welcome you from around the world and all of our new listeners joining in on the conversation. And of course, the shows have just been getting traction hotter and hotter. And so we are appreciative for that. Keep it coming. Keep the emojis coming. Keep the likes coming. Keep the shares coming and keep us reaching and teaching just one at a time. Hey, we did a show last week in the last recording called Conscious Inches Living Moderate Style. Right. And so today I want to continue that conversation and uh, wrap up and give you what I think some applicable points are for going forward to live as a conscientious objector on a leadership level in your own life, as well as just life in general. I don't believe that you have to always be all in with one cause or another to prove that you care and support. And so we talked about in the previous podcast about the George Floyd incident and people's immediate reaction and response to that and how as a nation in America we're pretty divided on it. And so today I want to continue that conversation and dive a little bit deeper into the conscientious objector thinking as well as what does it require from leadership. Because one of the things whenever we've had these things or incidents that happened in past, we have leaders that always have stepped up. And you think about going back in history to the Civil War, North and South, divided, war, internal, we had Abraham Lincoln. When the British Empire was under attack and there was division within the ranks of how to handle Hitler, Winston Churchill stepped in. Modern day in America, in the 60s, we had John F. Kennedy. We had Senator Robert F. Kennedy. We had Martin Luther King Jr. We've had great voices. And even early into the 70s, you had Jesse Jackson. Where are the voices today? It seems that the political voices have taken over to be the voices of reason, yet they are limited because in political gameplay you can't offend your constituency in today's political culture so as a leader you're not going to say anything that's going to offend your electorate because you want to get reelected right so we have two or three major leaders in our country president and president uh uh senator minority and majority leader minority leader majority leader and in the house majority and minority leader, they're all burnt because none of them can say anything to the conscious objector. None of them can really speak to the moderate. They can only speak to what is referred to as their base. So when we have an incident that breaks out like the George Floyd situation, who speaks for that, right? Does the radical right speak for it? Does the radical left speak for it? Who speaks for it? Do we have multiple voices? And so I think it's also time for objection, you know, uh, non-biased leadership. The last maybe vestige of non-biased leadership is resting with the Supreme Court. But then that's kind of shifting, right? So where do we have leadership? Church has leadership. They should be an independent voice. They're neither Democrats nor Republican, left or right. They represent principles. And yet we don't hear from that group. So who speaks? How do we reason? How do we agree to disagree? How do we support without destroying property and assets? So just want to revisit the conscientious objector is someone who is opposed to serving at that time was war are bearing arms on the grounds of moral or religious religious principles, according to the U.S. Selective Service. I like the previous definition, which says that it, it is for reason that the conscious objects to complying with a particular requirement or situation or war. Right. Anytime you are balanced. So what is war? Right. War is defined as a state of armed Conflict between nations or states or different groups within a nation or state. Okay, so it's not about guns and knives, but it's about money, because if I'm armed financially, I can battle you. You go to court with me and I'm better armed financially and we are warring over a matter. You're going to have a hard time prevailing because I can buy better attorneys. I can have influence. I can have investigators. I can have a, I can bring to bear a whole level of resources that can get my point across. Right. So we see that in politics where we have lobbyists and they have billions to advertise and push a narrative on people to think and vote a certain way. That's war. It's a war of the mind. It's the war of thought. It's the war of narrative. Because here's the deal in America right now the person who controls The narrative is the person that controls the outcome and the messaging, right? So you have to control the narrative. That's a war. That's a war. Companies war over market share, right? They war over profit. Who gets the most profit from this situation? So war can happen without guns and knives and and assault weapons, but we do have those involved at times in war, right? So the conscientious objector term should be upgraded to include cultural, economic war, race war, feminist war, gender war. We have another war that goes on between men and women gender war, right? Which one's better? Which one's stronger? Which one can do this? So, that's what creates division. What side are you on? You know, people will ask you 20 questions and what they're trying to do is size you up and see which side of the argument you're going to fall on. And the goal is they want you to fall on their side. And then if you don't fall on their side, usually they're going to either argue with you, fight with you, or cut you off, right? There's certain media platforms. You can't argue a counterpoint. They, they have one point. That's the narrative. And you come with a, another counterpoint. Kind of a hundred people will jump on top of you. OK, so it doesn't leave room. And, and I think the point of the shows that we're doing is we need to leave room for free, independent thinking that can pivot in a situation, depend on what the facts are, what what the conclusions are. That's what jurisprudence is. It's what our court systems is. Okay. The court system says if you charge somebody with a crime, then you have to provide evidence, and a jury of their peers can review that evidence, and both sides get to make an argument and provide supporting evidence to their argument to determine the guilt or innocence of. The person, we have flipped that script. A person in America is now guilty until you prove them innocent. Okay. But jurisprudence says you are innocent until you are proven guilty. Now, once you're proven guilty, okay, game on. But until that point, you should maintain your innocence. Okay. Well, in America right now, debates and arguments and Uh, things of that nature. It doesn't maintain its innocence. It's guilty. You have to choose. You have to choose sides immediately. And families are being destroyed. Relationships are being destroyed. People are losing their jobs over this. And so we need another way. We need conscientious leadership, leaders that can stand and help balance this out so that we are not at war with each other over what we believe. Hey, we know c- countries have torn, been torn apart. The Irish and, and, and the Catholics fighting, right? The, the, the Sikhs and the Sunnis all over the world. We have all these different groups that have fought, 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 tribal wars. So we know that it's more than just uh, invading country war. Sometimes it is civil war. It is right in. So we need an answer to that. In 2020, we need a response to that. okay? So again I'm, I'm I'm promoting this term of conscientious objection leadership and conscientious objection, living from a moderate standpoint. America's fighting multiple public and private wars today, right? We have political wars, culture wars, racial wars, and of course, economic wars. Right now we're in a big economic war with China. Right. So we're fighting all of these different wars, racial wars, gender wars. We have all these different smaller wars that are going on every day. Are we winning or are we losing? Are we getting better or are we getting worse? How are we doing that? All right. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to give you just some takeaway things that I think would be helpful and from a moderate standpoint. How do you get involved? How do you support? What principles can I use? And how can I support causes without going all the way in and having no way out? Right? Because sometimes you want to support something one day, but I need to be able to pivot and be able to go different direction. I have voted for both Republicans and Democrats and I'm telling you, it's one of the biggest conversational fights I ever get in. How can you vote for that person? How can you? Because there's some things, as Leon said on the previous show, there's some things I like about this cause, there's some things I don't. There's some things I like about the Democrats, some things I don't. There's some things I like about the Republicans, some things I don't. I want to maintain my independence, that's my human right. That there is a constitution in Washington, D.C. that says I have the right to do that, that no group, no organization, religious or non-religious or government organization has the right to tell me how to think on any given Sunday. That's take that's communist. That's socialism. That is not what America is fundamentally based on. Hey, stay with us. We're going to come right back and give you a quick wrap up and share with you six or seven principles that I think might make a difference in your thinking. And again, for those that are moderate, kind of on the fence, kind of independent, kind of that one percent in the middle that want to help and make a difference in your nation and your world. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: The mission of the Millionaire Club Charity is to provide jobs and support services to those in need in the Puget Sound region. Since 1921, the Millionaire Club Charity has operated a supportive employment program that specializes in helping people who are experiencing homelessness or other barriers to employment. Temporary Staffing Solutions connects men and women with employment opportunities to over 1,100 businesses and residences in the greater Seattle area. The Millionaire Club also addresses the housing needs of its workers through transitional housing. To learn more and to get involved, go to
2: millionaireclub.org or call 206 728 Jobs. Thank you for joining us, Lewis Howard Live, and we continue the conversation today, talking about conscientious objection from a moderate viewpoint and conscientious leadership from a moderate viewpoint. And so if you missed the segment, you can go back and catch that. One of the things that uh, Leon McLaughlin mentioned uh, in, in the last podcast was that he has a business in downtown across from the police station where people are looting and burning it. And he is all in with the George Floyd situation. And yet he doesn't want his business burned. He doesn't want his business destroyed. That's a moderate thinker. See, moderation says all things can be done, but let's do it in moderation. Let's figure out how to protest. Let's figure out how to stand and change laws and do those things. But let's not go all in and become Antifa style or radicalize that we have to destroy things. We have to um, loot and rob and assault people in the process, which really has nothing to do with the issue at hand. It got so bad with the Rodney King situation that Rodney King, who was a victim of police brutality in Los Angeles in 1991, it got so bad with the response that Rodney King himself stood up and says, please stop on my behalf. Can we all get along? What an amazing statement from the person who was the victim of the crime saying, oh, you, you people have gone too far. You folks have gone over the edge. Stop. Can we all get along? So that's moderate thinking, right? to say that. And a moderate thinker says, I support law enforcement. I want, when I'm in trouble or my family's in trouble or I'm in need, I want to call 911 and I don't want a clown showing up. I want an armed officer to get the burglar out of my house. Do I want a protester to show up? Do I need an activist to show up? Do I care whether that police officer is Democrat or Republican? Probably not." I care that they're going to come there and do their job. If your child needed brain surgery to save their life, would you care if the person was left thinking or right thinking or Democrat or Republican? Would you say, I only want a Democrat to operate on my baby? Would you say, I only want a Republican to operate? No, you would say, give me the best surgeon in the house to operate on my kid. That's moderate thinking. That's free thinking. That's not all in or all out or waffling or anything like that. As the narrative tries to tell us, that's independent thinking, independent thinking. There were stories in the sixties where, um, white patients would be injured and need surgery. And the most qualified doctor in the house was an African-American. And there would be stories where the person would go, I don't want that African-American operating on me. And then the hospital say, well, then you're going to die because we don't have anybody else. And so they would have to acquiesce under pressure and get the surgery. Now, that's crazy. You shouldn't have to think that way. Or you get pulled over and an Asian officer comes up to you and go, I don't want an Asian officer to talk to me. Go get me black officer. Right. We have the same problem in church. We have some people that won't. Go to a church if the person who's standing on that pulpit is not the same color as the people sitting in the seats. Okay? So we do a lot of things on our own. This is not just government, this is like a lot of our decisions. So moderate thinking says hey, let's keep it in moderation, right? We support economic growth. For those that are disadvantaged, as we talked about in the previous show. But we don't support necessarily taking that money from people who have worked hard, worked their land, worked their sphere, gotten prosperous, and now the government is gonna come and take the money and give it to another group because they're they're working with the homeless. There should be other resources to do there. Should be some volunteer, proactive ways we're doing it. We're seeing that right now with the pandemic, that Big companies are converting their factories and production line in order to make personal protection equipment for the coronavirus, the Wuhan virus, the pandemic, whatever name you want to give to it. They're supporting that. So that is a pivot. They were making cars and then they pivoted. They were making tractors, then they pivoted. Under the previous rules, you wouldn't be allowed to pivot. You'd have to keep making cars. Regardless of what's going on around, you have to keep making cars. Now, they pivoted and changed and made different things. That's free thinking. That's independent. I don't have anything against Anderson Cooper 360, but I can't let him tell me how to live my life from sun up to sundown. Here's why. Okay, and I'll make the point and we'll get on to the summary. Here's why you can't always just let somebody on media and television, and even politics, just tell you what to do. And my Dr. Frank Marinkovic made a good point of this. When they're talking to you, they're not talking to you. They're talking to the narrative. They're talking to a screen. They do not know you personally. If Anderson Cooper were to walk up to you at Starbucks, he wouldn't know you from Adam. Okay, So they're not talking to you. They're talking to a constituency. They're talking to an audience Of which you happen to be a part of. But they're not talking to you. So you still have to have an independent script and plan for your own life. You still have to, you can take that information and figure out how I work it in. But I can't take what Anderson Cooper or what uh, Bill O'Reilly or what anybody on Fox or, or Rachel Maddow say and think that's gospel for my own life. She doesn't know me. She doesn't know me. And if I were to walk up to her, she'd probably have four or five security guys. I couldn't even get to her. Okay. It's not like a songwriter that writes a song and they write the song so well, you think the song's for you, right? That's a different thing because they can write it and you can, you can connect to the melody and you can connect to the words and it resonates. But that doesn't mean that song is the keys of your life. It just means it's a song that was well-written that you can appreciate. All right, so we're going to wrap up and I just want to give you in summary. Uh, So for those that are in the middle and moderate independent thinking that respond to conflict and things that go on like the George Floyd story, I just want to share what I believe as a probably moderate independent thinker. Some things that I think can help you and typically how moderate thinking, balanced thinking independent thinking typically respond. Number one is the moderate tends to listen to all the facts. Sometimes when a story comes out, all the facts haven't come out. If you are writing a movie, uh, creating a script or writing story, there's a lot of the backstory and the back facts that have to also come into play in order to make that a credible movie or story. And so moderate thinkers understand that. They also understand that the first information that I get may not be all of the information. And so I need to wait before I draw a conclusion on this to make sure that I got all of the data, right? i You wouldn't go buy a car just because of the color of the car. Some of you might, but most of you want to get the backstory on the car. Where did the car come from? Who owned the car? What condition the car in? How well has it been serviced? Then I can make a decision as to whether I want to own this vehicle. If you're going to go work for a company or you're going to go invest in a company, you wouldn't take what the company says on face value, you would go do your own research. You'd go to their website. You'd talk to some people that work there. You would get some information to do. You wouldn't just run and go, yep, I'm just going to go work for them. I know nothing about them. Yep, I'm just going to believe that story because it came from CNN. Yep, I'm going to run off because Fox News said that. I'm going to do that. Nah, you wouldn't want to do that because you run off half-cocked. You don't have all the information, Right. You know, if I buy a weapon, but I don't know how to use the weapon, it's of no good to me. I got a weapon, but I don't know what to do with it because I didn't get all the facts. I didn't get the information. So moderates tend to get the facts. And before they draw a conclusion, they typically don't jump to an immediate conclusion, even if there's a preponderance of evidence and facts. Opposite people tend to do that. So if if that fits their narrative and if they fits what they believe, they're going to jump to an immediate conclusion on that. But and we've seen stories have to be what we call retracted because the facts were not as they came out. Case in point, there was a young lady at Duke University that accused several of the uh, lacrosse players of assaulting her. Okay, and everything said that that happened. The evidence said it. And so everyone jumped on those young men. They were taken off the team. They were uh, suspended and this drug on. Okay. So that was the first conclusion that all oh, those bad boys, look what they did. Okay. What happened later? Facts came out. Evidence came out that she made up the story that it never, ever happened. And she made up the story. Those young men lives were ruined. They were ruined. Nobody apologized for the stories that they wrote about them. Nobody apologized for the things that they said. There was a woman out of North Carolina. Her name was Susan Smith. She was driving down the street and she has two kids in the car. And for whatever reason, she decides to drive those kids into the water and drown them. Okay. That's not the story she said. She said two African-American men kidnapped her kids and drove those kids into the water and destroyed them. The Old world's looking for two African-American men. People are being arrested, being held because of facts. And it turns out, Susan Smith killed her own kids. That's what the evidence said. Okay. Nobody apologized to those young men. Nobody said they were sorry for disrupting their life the way that they did. Nobody apologized for the stories that were written around the world about that. That's what happens when we jump to conclusions, okay? I'm not saying that in this story, it's maybe exactly as we see it. Sometimes it is. But sometimes you have to wait to get all the facts before you jump to a conclusion that may be reversed, that may be far different in the end than it started out in the beginning. Number two is they research multiple sources to make sure I understand all angles of the story. Because depending on who's telling the story, it will depend on what angle it's coming from. Make sure you understand all angles. Moderate understand that, yes, that requires a little bit more work than just taking what news alerts comes on my uh, phone. Right, That does require some work. When I'm doing shows and I'm talking to you about language and words, I have to do research on that. I don't just go with the first definition of a word. I'll usually look at four or five and see which one sounds the best and consistent with the message that I want to do. So research. Do your homework. Stop letting people think for you. Okay, you're grown men, you're grown women, young men, young women. Think for yourself. You got all this research at your hand you can go double check. Even if it comes out of CNN, you can go double check it. And you may find that there's a different set of facts associated with that conversation than was told to you. Number three is they, if they choose to support an issue, they make a decision on how they're going to support the issue. They can do it quietly. They can do it through financial support and they can do it through personal alliances. They don't necessarily have to go on the street and march because every marcher out there carrying a sign, somebody paid for that sign. They didn't just go to Target and make up those signs. Somebody organized those signs. Somebody paid for the permit for them to march. It looks like it's random, but it's not. It's very organized. Those people meet at a certain time. They're given a script. It's all organized. And they're right. somebody writes the check for them to go out. And usually you never see the person who wrote the check. When's the last time you seen George Soros at a March? And yet this man writes billions of dollars in checks to support different causes around the world. And people are out there marching on things he's funded. And yet you don't see him. Okay. So moderate and supporters can support things in different ways. You don't always have to go on the front line. You don't have to risk all of your assets. Sometimes you can do it through social media. You can do it through a volunteer basis. There's a number of ways that you can support a cause without going and burning stuff down, tearing up stuff, looting, pillaging in order to make a point. Okay. I don't need to get arrested to make the point. I don't need a criminal record just to make the point that I'm all in for something. Okay. All right. So we're talking about how... You can think about some principles in your own life that can help you from a moderate standpoint, from a free thinking, independent standpoint, be able to support and go forth with different causes that you feel passionate, believe or are impacted by. Number four, they offer peaceful resistance and they do not join the mob mentality. Okay, We saw that in America in the 60s in the civil rights. The mantra of Martin Luther King Jr. was, Peaceful protests. There was a faction of African Americans that did not want peaceful protests. They wanted armed conflict. And so there was a division between those two factions as to how it has. But who do we remember 50 years later? We remember I have a dream. We don't remember those other people as often the Black Panthers and Malcolm X's program and some of the others. They're not, they're just as important and they're certainly part of history. But every year with streets named after him, holidays named after him, replaying that speech, we see that ultimately that peaceful protest really won out over history. So that short-term decision has paid off 50 years later. Many of you and I are benefits of the peaceful protests. Not that the other didn't have its value. It did. I'm not coming against one or the other. I'm just saying, what does history say? Right. Look at history in terms of what it reminds you. All right. They stay open. And as I've said, they can pivot. Right. They can pivot. We saw that again in the Clinton Trump election where a whole one percent pivoted at the last minute and put Trump in office. Okay? He wasn't supposed to win that election by every pollster, by every analyst. He was not supposed to win that 2016 election. But some people pivoted. They changed. And all of a sudden the electorate puts him over. Hillary wins the popular vote, but it's not the popular vote to get you elected, it's the electorate. So the electric switched. Okay? So that happens. And then there was a big fallout about, you know, the other side trying to put pressure on the electric to change their vote and switch their vote and all kind of threats. Didn't didn't work. Trump was still elected the forty fifth president of the United States, right? On a pivot. On a pivot. On a moderate, on an independent thinker, people we don't really know their names, but most of them represent middle America. Most of them are hardworking individuals that have fallen and forgotten and still getting themselves back up. And they have to pivot. They have to make a decision. You know, some people, hey, do I eat? Do I get gas or do I buy groceries? Right. That's where some people have to to live and think about. So they're always having to be open to different options that helps move them forward in what they're saying. Hey, if you're joining us, we're just talking about some principles on how to think like a moderate, conscientious objector in the 21st century. What kind of leadership are we looking for? What do we need to help us through when we get these flashpoint moments in history uh, where we're experiencing right now? In the middle of a pandemic, here we have this this event goes on that really has up up ended the pandemic. We're not even talking about the pandemic. We're talking more about George Floyd. And yet there's a hundred thousand people that have died to the pandemic. So I can tell you the importance of a shift and a pivot in conversation. All right, a couple more points. We'll wrap up. They don't risk their life and freedom and assets that they've worked years to acquire for short-term actions or support that will not yield long-term results. The signers of the Declaration of Independence says we risk our lives. They risk everything that they have in that particular case. And the reason why they did it because they did it for long-term freedom, not short-term gain. Not just to beat the colonials and to break away from that, but to start a new nation. And so they said we pledge our lives with the signature. So there is a time to go all in, okay? If you are... uh, or a woman, and you decide to have a baby, you got to go all in. Ain't no half in of that. You all the way into that, okay? A guy, well, we can be half in. You know, we can rub, support, and do that. But we're not all in. The woman is all in, right? Uh, as the old saying, the, the, the chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. It's a difference. So sometimes there are things in life you have to commit to. Uh, but you want to be wise and know that Hey, if I'm going to commit to something where we're going to make a new law, a new regulation, like, you know, affirmative action or uh, equal rights or things like that, that over long term, that's going to benefit not just me, but generations come forward. I can go all in on that. I can go all in right at that moment if I know that this is going to be something. But short of that, I'm going to be wise with my resources, with my time and with my energy. So I'm hoping today that we reach someone that maybe is on the fence on wanting to support, wanting to get involved with these different matters and causes, but not sure how to do it safely and securely without creating unnecessary risk to you, your family, your livelihood, assets, things that you've worked hard and built over a long period of time. Hey, tell a friend to tell a friend to join us. As always, you can get this show 24-7. Go to blogtalkradio.com, Lewis Howard, or you can Google Lewis Howard Live, and the show comes up. And uh, we're going to play this one around the world, so you'll get to hear it again. And uh, we want to help you become the best version of yourself. Thank you so much for joining the conversation again. We'll talk to you soon on another edition of Lewis Howard Live.
0: The New Home Council at thenewhomecouncil.com is an independent team of industry professionals working together to meet the changing needs of the new home building industry through education, promotion, and recognition. With over 900 members strong, the New Home Council is passionate about being a resource for builders and all professionals in the new home industry and their success. Become a member today and help support this great cause by going to thenewhomecouncil.com to learn more. That's thenewhomecouncil.com.
1: The mission of the Millionaire Club Charity is to provide jobs and support services to those in need in the Puget Sound region. Since 1921, the Millionaire Club Charity has operated a supportive employment program that specializes in helping people who are experiencing homelessness or other barriers to employment. Temporary Staffing Solutions connects men and women with employment opportunities to over 1,100 businesses and residences in the greater Seattle area. The Millionaire Club also addresses the housing needs of its workers through transitional housing. To learn more and to get involved, go to MillionaireClub.org or call 206 728 jobs.